0: Special guest, reporter for masslive.com, uh, Chris Cantillo. Jake Palanaki, yeah. Special guest today, Steve Peralt, Los Angeles Dodgers prospect, Jimmy Titus. For us, that was our guest today, Mason Field, Austin Upshaw, Jerry Weinstein.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here.
0: We have a very special guest, Jerry Weinstein. Jerry has been a coach in the minor leagues for several years. He's been a catching coordinator with the Colorado Rockies. He's worked in player development with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's an extremely helpful social media personality um, and just an overall great guy, great coach. So we got an interview with him right now. I hope know you're going to enjoy it. So let's get right into it. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Highlander Sports. I'm Ben Velotti, and I'm here with a very special guest today, Jerry Weinstein. Uh, Jerry is a coach in the minor leagues right now. He's been with the Colorado Rockies as catching coordinator, as well as an extensive college coaching resume where he spent uh, over 20 years at Sacramento Community College. And he's in multiple college Hall of Fames. He's coached in the World Baseball Classic, the Olympics. And just a super impressive resume and regarded as one of the best catching minds and coaching minds in all of baseball. So Jerry, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Ben? I'm good. Thanks for asking. So first of all, I mean, when I was reading your bio, I knew a little bit about you before I attended um, CatcherCon, the first ever one. You were one of the big panel speakers. So I knew a little bit about you there and obviously follow you on social media and everything. Um, But when I was reading your bio, the things that jumped out at me first, aside from, you know, the extensive college coaching career, that's super impressive, a super impressive record was the World Baseball Classic and Olympics. That that just popped right into my head. I want to know, what was that, both those experiences like? And if you could pick which one, which atmosphere do you prefer?
1: Well, they were both, yeah, I, I can't pick one over the other. I've done, uh, I did the 92, 92 Olympics in Barcelona and then, uh, uh, 96 in Atlanta which was really good obviously because it's in the United States and then the the WBC was fantastic it's uh, it's really like a uh, a world series and every yeah. game is like the seventh game so that was uh that was a really good experience as well
0: yeah I can only imagine I mean I'm having quite watched Olympic baseball I'm not quite old enough to have remembered any of that but um I'm glad it's coming back but World Baseball Classic isn't can't miss I mean with the atmosphere all the games no matter which team you watch so I mean both of those just a huge honor to be part of that I'm sure um
1: the uh the the level of competition in, in terms of mm-hmm. uh buy-in is unbelievable players are really invested and in, you know said nationalism thing and uh and uh I think it's really really good when everybody is 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 100% in and yeah. and competing their their rear end off at all yeah. times and a very selfless uh, environment.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I have – we actually – I have a friend from high school and we've interviewed him on this program, Mason Fioli. He played for Team USA Baseball, which not quite the same level, but, I mean, from here's experience with the investment and, you know, investing in your country and playing for your country, it, his was over way over the top. So I can only imagine what it's like in those atmospheres. And that's just got to be something really cool. <laughs> um, but uh, – so – then just moving on, you uh, you have sent over twenty eight players into the MLB with over two hundred uh, two hundred drafted from you know colleges you coached at. When you, how do you like? Do you are you recruiting these guys? Are you are you looking for something special? Because like obviously you have sent a ton of guys into the major leagues into not into, into pro baseball. Just what are you looking for when you're, you know, looking to get guys when you're coaching when you were coaching in college? What are you looking for in a player?
1: Well, I mean, obviously you're looking for a certain kind of player relative to ability, but more than that, we're looking for people that uh, have a passion for the game, that, uh, that are willing to work and enjoy the preparation aspect of the game. And, and uh, you know, a lot of it, like those stats were from Sacramento City College. And, right. and, and we, had, uh, we had large numbers of players in our program, so it was a kind of a branch Ricky thing, out of quantity comes quality. Mm-hmm. And we never cut anybody and guys develop at different, different, uh, stages. And I always say not all the fruit gets ripe at the same time. So we did have volume. We were in a really good community relative to the importance of baseball. And there were plenty of good programs, feeder programs. And, and I think it's just basically what everybody else looks for, you know, certain physical traits and then certainly certain, uh, phys- um uh, mental and, uh, type and psychological type uh uh traits that uh, lead to uh, improvements and uh mm-hmm. you no telling where those improvements will take you in as as far as end game is concerned
0: yeah. um yeah i mean players must love playing for you i mean you've coached everywhere um so what i got to ask so i'm assuming you were a catcher growing up right i was was, did you play any other positions or just I, I
1: never played any other position from day one in Little League when they started Little League in our community. Uh, I was eight years old. They started, they had eight-year-olds in Little League at that time, I believe. And uh, the coach, hey, he, <laughs> I don't know if this was good or bad. He, yeah, you got a catcher's body. Says, have, you, have you ever caught before? Heck, i never played baseball really before much. <laughs> and uh, so I, started out as a catcher and I've been a catcher ever since
0: yeah pretty much the same thing happened to me I mean I started as little league I was an infielder but as soon as you know middle school and later came around they're like oh you got a catcher's body broad shoulders perfect you're nothing else but catcher and I mean I absolutely loved it so I wouldn't I don't regret it at all but um I asked because you know I know I followed Tanner Swanson as well and I know he didn't grow up as a catcher but he is now a catching coordinator and uh doing lots of coaching the main catching coach with the Yankees right now but he wasn't a catcher and you know a lot of catchers become managers so I mean I it was kind of just a roundabout way of getting you know since you were a catcher do you kind of feel like the next step instantly uh, naturally was just to go into coaching or are you pursued by someone else to start coaching
1: well my my lack of ability led me toward coaching (laughs) and uh uh uh, you know I I've always I, I kind of had a teaching mentorship type mentality and so uh uh and I and I had a passion for the game but all, but I I coached football as well in in high school and in college some and I've I've always enjoyed that aspect of being an enabler and helping people achieve their goals and dreams and so on since I couldn't do it myself uh, as a player but uh certainly uh the catching position is a is, it should be and is pretty much a cerebral position and it's one of leadership, and I think that's what most coaches have in their in their wheelhouse, that they, they they are leaders and they are pretty cerebral.
0: Yeah, definitely. You're kind of like the field general when you're the catcher. And uh, I I always thought of it always as like you're almost like the pitcher. Obviously, they have the pitching coach and everything, but you're almost like the, the pitcher's personal coach right in the moment during the game. That's kind of how I thought of it.
1: Well, I think you're, that's correct thinking. I think that's absolutely true. Uh, because uh, on uh, on a given day, the pitcher's success or failure is, is in, basically in your hands.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- there's a reason catchers pride themselves on, you know, when the pitcher – they don't get as much recognition, recognition, obviously, but, with you know, pitcher throws no hitter, perfect game, everyone's excited for the pitcher. But catcher, you know, that holds a special heart and their feeling too because they're a huge part of that, and they, you know, led the pitcher to that if all goes well.
1: Well, we always tell our catchers to- – and uh, When a pitcher wins, you get a half a win, and when he loses, you get half a loss. Now, the pitchers are more than willing to give you the half a loss. They're not they're right. begrudgingly give you a half a win, but that's okay as well.
0: Uh, right. Um, so, like I said earlier, many you've had many coaching positions, both catching coordinator and manager. Do you have you preferred, you know, being a, you know, like the overall like manager and coach, or are you, you like really honing in on the catching aspect and coaching catchers individually?
1: Well, my preference is always to manage and, and really my, in my early days, uh, especially at the college level, uh, whether it be high school or at uh, LA Valley college or Sacramento city college, and uh, you know, prefer to, to manage because uh, you know, that, you're responsible for everything and success or failure is totally on your shoulders and and it's reflected by the scoreboard generally uh and that's a good measuring stick for me that's like uh that's the final exam every game is a is a is a final exam or the season might be a final exam and every game is a test
0: yeah that makes sense but um I mean obviously you, you hold a a large part of your heart is with the catchers too, (laughs) being grown up.
1: Oh, no doubt. I, you know, I, I always say uh, on any given day, three guys are going to determine whether you win or lose the pitcher, the catcher and the umpire and the catcher impacts both the pitcher and the umpire. And so he's a key, key element in, in success on a given day.
0: Oh yeah. Um, Going off of that. So, you know, there's a lot of talk with the major leagues going to automated strike zone. Me personally, I'm not in favor of it, but, as a catcher yourself, a former catching coach manager, do you want automated? I mean, from what you just said, I would guess no.
1: But you—you you guessed correctly and not in favor of eroding a skill, another skill element from our game. That's right. And uh, I think that uh, I think that robo ro- 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 umpires are going to be problematic relative to how they gauge what a strike is, because uh, the reality is once the ball hits any part of the strike zone. Uh, it's a strike, so they're going to have to redefine how much of mm-hmm. the strike zone the ball is in before it is called a strike because you could have a, a down-breaking breaking ball hit the hollow of the knee on the front edge of the plate if the yeah. hitter's up in the front of the plate. And uh, uh, and by the time it gets into his contact zone, it could be near the ground.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I 100% agree with that. And then on more of a selfish player note, as a former catcher or catcher, um, it just takes away too much skill for the catcher position. Like, as someone who didn't have the best throwing arm and had to really work on little things like quick feet, and then obviously, you know, in my mind, I always put receiving and blocking in front of throwing. The whole receiving thing, you know, p- catchers won't even have to frame pitches anymore, which is one of my favorite parts of the game or presenting pitches, however you want to phrase it. Just one of my favorite part of the game and one of the craft that, you know, I can watch a MLB game and I see things that other people don't notice, be like the catcher turning their glove up or moving to the ball first. And that just – I feel like that with the automated strike zone just gets taken away
1: completely. I think to a certain element uh, that's that's going to be a, a truth. But I think that still catching the ball cleanly will impact how the pitcher feels about mm. the pitch that he's throwing. So I, I don't think you lose 100% of it, but you'll lose a, a good portion of the, the subtle skill element that's uh, involved in receiving.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Um, how do you feel about – what are your preferences on the one-knee stance with catchers?
1: Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in favor of the stance that's that gives them the best chance to to have success uh, on the, the element of the game that is the highest priority at the mm-hmm. time. So, you know, I, I'm okay with one-knee stance. I'm okay with multiple stances. Uh, and, I, I mean, ideally you'd like to have one stance – And it's always been a traditional two-point stance, and learn how to, uh, 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 which is probably for a lot of people in their mind is the best blocking and uh, and receiving and blocking and throwing stance. Mm -hmm. And then learn how to learn how to receive out of that stance. And the new philosophy is, hey, let's get into the best receiving stance and learn how to block and throw out of that stance. Uh, And then the third school is, hey, if blocking is a priority get in your best blocking stance. Run around third base, two outs, two strikes, you're going to bury a breaking ball, get in your best blocking stance. Now, that may be a one-knee stance. Mm-hmm. And if the throwing is a priority, get into the stance that gives you the best chance to throw. And if receiving is a priority, get in that stance. The reason uh, receiving on one knee has come into vogue is because the, the run-save uh, uh, data shows right. us how how much run-save Uh, uh, by receiving is more important than run saved by blocking or throwing because there are somewhere between eight and 10,000 pitches during a season that are received that mean something and probably blocking as little as 40 or 50 and throwing probably less than that but the run save for the best receivers over the average receivers is about 27 runs and that for blocking is about one run and and throwing is somewhere around three runs, so you can see how much more important the receiving piece is.
0: Definitely, um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. But you know, you you have to you have to think. I'm sure you've been watching playoff baseball recently, and you've seen you know Mike Zanino and um, Austin Nola. There, I. I love the broadcast that was going on because they were giving all the love to those guys blocking the balls and saving runs, saving runners from moving up in scoring position. So I mean, even though the defensive metrics show it's not as many runs saved, and that probably is true, I mean you have to respect and look at it and be like, oh, that saved that could have saved a run right there, saved a guy from getting into scoring position. I still, you know, blocking still up there, and I'm sure you recognize that as well.
1: No doubt, I, I really like Noel a lot. I thought. Agashioka did a tremendous job for the Yankees as well
0: he did yeah definitely um so going back into coaching I know you've coached in the Cape Cod League and I'm bringing this up because you know as a as a show here's a program we've had a lot of guys play either in the Cape or the the NECBL and for them they always say you know obviously it's so important to do for you know draft purposes or just um growth purposes in general but it's also just you know, some of the most fun baseball that they've ever played. The atmosphere is like com- not completely different, but has, you know, summer ball is a different feel than college or any other um, season you're playing at. So for players, it kind of seems like for them, it's like, oh, this is a loose season while we're here and taking it seriously, but we're going to have a lot of fun. For, for you as a coach, do you get that same, you know, sense that the atmosphere is very loose in summer ball? Or for you, is it strictly business it is all the same?
1: <laughs> well, um... The way we run our program in Worm is not like that. Our, our program, is, this is serious baseball. Our job is to help you get ready for professional baseball and to make you a better player at the end of the day. Mm. Uh, it's not about uh, uh, deep sea fishing and, and and tanning on the beach. I, I had an interesting, uh, I had, uh, the first year I did it was 2016 and I had Joey Bart on our team mm. and he was he had just finished his freshman year at Georgia Tech and uh, our early work, our catchers are out there an hour and a half, to two hours before anybody else gets to the ballpark. And, and the first day, bad body language, you know, like, holy cow, I can't believe I'm going to be doing this for the whole summer. And I mean, his idea, and he's a big, he's a great guy, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. And he's a big sport fisherman, and he thought he'd be doing a lot of fishing and play a little baseball and have some fun my idea was we're, we're going to help you become a better player and the fun, you know, that's type two fun. The type, the real fun, you know, is the, the result of the, of improving as a player and, and the, all the things that, that go along with it. And so the second day, are we going to be here this early every day? Do we have to do this? We have, wait a minute. And so I said, uh, Joey, maybe this is in the right place for you and I'm going to give your coach a call and we'll have a little discussion. So I called Danny Hall. I said, Danny, this guy's not going to make it here during the summer. Uh, our, our work schedule and our timeline is way too demanding for him. And uh, so I think it's probably best you find another place for him. He said, oh, no, no, wait a minute. And Danny and I are friends. and We go back a long way. And he says, wait a minute, let me talk to him. And so Danny made a call. And, and the third day, this guy showed up and he was a different guy. Danny obviously had a deep conversation with him relative to the importance of this process. Uh, for his career and by the end of the summer he was our hardest worker he initiated hey can we come out earlier can I do this can I do that and and he improved tremendously now obviously they do a really good job at Georgia Tech and this was just a piece in his development but I think it was important that that a guy named Mike Nicky is coach of catchers there, ex-professional big league catcher and he did a great job with him as well but this was also a piece in his development relative to establishing a work ethic and understanding that uh, there's a difference between fun and type two fun and the type two fun is the kind of the blood sweat and tear work that you have to do in order to have the the real fun which is performing well and 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 getting rewarded for it
0: yeah awesome that's that's great um i didn't even make the connection that you would have coached joey bart that's uh that's pretty sick considering he's one of the top guys, you know, upcoming, upcoming guys in the major leagues right now. Um, so speaking of that, who is there any catcher that, you know, is either about to break into MLB or that is just broken, you know, a guy like Sean Murphy, maybe someone, is there someone that you're looking forward to watching a lot?
1: Well, um, I've enjoyed watching Sean Murphy. I've also enjoyed, uh, watching, uh, uh, Oh, a kid from Louisville that's with the Dodgers, uh, uh, Will uh Will Smith. Yeah, a matter of fact, uh that year I was evaluating catchers for the Rockies. I'd go around and see the top guys, and there was a plethora of guys, uh, Zach Collins and and Matt Dice and and Will Smith and and uh and uh Sean Murphy. I went to Wright State and saw him for three games and and had a chance to go down the field work, spend a little time with him. And then I probably saw Will Smith play his best game of his life in the uh, Mm -hmm. ACC tournament in Durham and uh, very impressed. And, and he's really made tremendous progress, but yeah, you know, the, the usual suspects, those young guys that are coming and and that's something to, to be able to establish yourself at at the age that they are established themselves as, as prime time catchers in playoff baseball,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you you hear everyone say it. You watch if you watch the game, you know, religiously. You'd see the game is getting younger, but it is it is crazy that you know Will Smith is starting off, uh starting over. You know, a such sound defensive catcher. I think Austin Barnes is the other guy. I think he is. It's just it's really impressive that guys like him and Murphy uh, can go. And just start over, guys that have been there forever. It says a lot to who they've been coached by and their philosophies and everything.
1: Right. I think uh, I think that uh, out of necessity, especially with the coronavirus situation, that and and that wasn't the case with Murphy and uh, and Will Smith because they established themselves in their organizations, and you know it was obvious that they were going to be able to to uh, play. But a lot of young guys are getting uh, earlier opportunities in the traditional. A, you play in a rookie league, then you go to a short-season A league, and then an A league, and Double A and Triple A. That maybe that progression uh, is not necessary. Maybe the guys can 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 move a lot faster, and and the way they play in your system, and and uh, y- you can challenge them, and and it, it won't hurt them, and they can benefit by being challenged, and can move a lot faster than you think, and they need less and less time in the minor leagues. And I think that's a testament to how good a job amateur and coaches are doing both at the college level and the travel team level and the individual uh, instructional level. I think we're seeing more catching clinics and and, uh, uh, catching specialists out there that are and and the information on the Internet is great. Mm -hmm. And the young players are developing better and faster because there's good information out there and good coaching earlier so they can move faster.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, you mentioned, you know, so many resources out there on the internet and uh, social media. So you are one of those figures, you tweet out uh, little tips or, you know, instructions from your own uh, videos or books that you have. So I know I was following you last night, you're tweeting out the the Astros Rays game. But what I like what you do is you're not just focusing on the catching, you're, you know, you're tweeting about you know the double plays that returned or the runs that you know kevin kiermeyer might have saved by cutting off a ball so i just you do really you think that stuff's very important to do and put out there and i i completely agree
1: well when i when it's funny i was a non-social media guy and when i first wrote my book i had a friend alan jaeger who's a, a long toss guy and he's got a he's got a social media presence and and he's we were talking he says uh and He says, uh, "Do you have a website?" I said, "No." He says, do you, "Do you do you tweet?" I said, "I don't even know what you're talking about." He says, "Oh, you're <laughs> a dinosaur." He says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you here," and and he helped me form a website and he and he showed me how to get on Twitter and what to do. And early on, I was just kind of taking little snippets out of the book and putting things out there, and I got uh, a very positive response. And and uh, then I started people would start to ask questions on other areas of the game and I started putting things out just in general on all aspects of the game and got a lot more response. And I got I guess I have close to 50,000 followers right now. And I get, you know, I mean, I didn't, no one dropped me in the position I am right now. There were a lot of people along the way that helped me. And, and I feel like, you know, at this time, it's really important for me to help the game by giving my opinion, you know these aren't these aren't sermons from the mount they're just opinions and it doesn't mean they're right or they're wrong it's just observations and if it can benefit someone and help a coach be a better coach and help his players be better players you know that's where i'm at right now in in, in my career
0: yeah that's it's great it's so awesome i mean and, and you really have turned into a pro on it. i mean you fit you get those abbreviations in there you fit as many characters into the with like the 250 limit there is and I think everyone who follows you appreciates that.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I enjoy it too. Uh, and I don't, I don't enjoy it necessarily because uh, I'm getting feedback. I just feel like, you know, I, it's, it's part of my routine every day, every morning, you know, I'll put some out there or a couple of things, and especially during the time when games are going on like these last three months. And then of course the playoffs now, and things come up and people are really dialed into baseball right now that uh, I see things and put them out there and, and uh i've gotten you know obviously you know some positives and, and as far as feedback is concerned
0: yeah well just from first hand source here greatly appreciated uh, um we'll start to just you know a couple questions just to wrap up i want to get kind of like your your take on the way baseball is trending right now so i know you mentioned you know certain things because of the pandemic like guys getting a chance earlier are happening but there's other things like you know the extended playoffs or you know the extra inning rule that um happened with the guy starting on second base. In terms of you know, 16 teams making the playoffs and stuff like that, how, what's your what's your opinion on that?
1: Well, I'm I'm not opposed to that. I think uh the more teams and the more viable teams can be in their communities, uh, the more interest in, in, in baseball and and uh more people are going to go to games. They're going to make more money for the owners. The owners going to play, pay players better. I think overall it's a good thing. I would like to see uh, a way that we have playoffs where the teams are rewarded for winning over the course of 60 games or especially over 162 games. Everybody shouldn't be equal at the end. Right. Uh, I think we have to figure that one out. I like the uh, – the extra inning rule, the international rule, and I've been involved in that in international baseball. I think that's great. I think it brings in more strategy. There's more decisions that have to be made. There's more options relative to intentional walk or fund or take three whacks at driving the guy in. And I, I, I like that where there, where there has to be. It's not just uh, automatic what you're going to do where you have to make a decision somewhere, especially based on personnel. Um, uh, so in that respect, I, I do like that. Um, uh, I like the expanded rosters. Uh, I, I think that, I think that's good for the game, but it's also good for the players in, in general. Definitely. Uh, I like, uh, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, during the playoffs here, there's, there's not days off. So now when we start playing the seven game series. It's the depth of that team, especially that pitching staff, is going to be tested. Uh, uh, That that taxi squad concept, I think, is a good one. I like that. But overall, uh, uh, I think I like the DH, even though I've been a National League manager uh, pretty much. But as a minor league manager, you're always dealing with the DH. But I like the the DH in both leagues. I like more offense in, in the game.
0: Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Um, I was actually at first, I was surprised to hear that you did like the the runner on second extra inning rule, but then I, you know, it did hit me that you've had experience with that rule. And honestly, I don't, I don't mind it either. I think it is exciting and it does, when you really think about it, there is a lot more strategy that, you know, you can manage into the game or players can think about. Um, so just real quick, last question. Is there anything you want to see Major League Baseball or just the game in general do to Attract a younger audience, or just keep on going. You know, keep it going strong.
1: No, I think I, I like what we're doing right now. I I, I think that uh, if we could have less time in between innings for advertising, if they can do some in-screen advertising like a lot of the uh, the, the sports are doing, that they're less less time in between. But you know, baseball is is it's not for everybody, and we can't. It's, we can't structure our game and, and tweak it so that everybody's going to like it. it just, that's just not realistic. And uh, the people that like baseball really like baseball the way it is. I, I think the the advanced analytics are, are good for a lot of people. Uh, and then some people just don't care for it, that, but they don't pay attention to it. And I think that uh, the instant re- – I, I, one thing I'm um, – disappointed that it seems like there's fewer and fewer instant replays in uh in the broadcast this year now maybe that's because of the logistics based on the amount of cameras and and technicians that are available but uh, i'm kind of missing that a little bit but i think we're we're in a good we're in a good place i think for me i think our commissioner has done an unbelievable job to pull this off this year and and some of the things he's trying and and especially on the minor league level there's some new things that are if we start to play again, eventually that 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 they will test and 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 maybe they'll make their way into uh, Major League Baseball.
0: Yeah, it's a great answer. I, you know, I really couldn't agree more on that one. I I don't think the game needs to change that much because you know the people that love it love it, and it's it's really not a dying game at all when you look at it. <laughs> so um, I think it's a great place to end. I want to thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure having you on. Um. Thank you so much.
1: You bet, Ben. Good talking with you. You too. See you. Oh, Are you gonna take me home tonight? Oh. New we